So, um, freedom. Freedom is something that uh, will be talked about a lot today. There will be lots of songs uh, on the radio and at different gatherings about the f- being free in America and all these kinds of things. And uh, as we celebrate um, when the founders of our country declared their freedom from Britain and just the whole the whole thing, right? Um, and that's wonderful and fantastic and great. Um, but when when we as kingdom of God people, when we hear the word freedom, um, we should think about something that is categorically very different from that kind of freedom. When we sing songs like we've sung this morning and like we will sing about like being free, we're not talking obviously about being politically free um, or in some sort of military sense or some sort of nationalistic sense. We're talking about real freedom, the kind of freedom that we see uh, God leading his people into uh, from the beginning of the Bible all the way to, to the end, which really just points from the very beginning of creation all the way to you know, through eternity. That freedom is, is a part of what God is all about. And uh, in order for us to really be able to um, think correctly about it, it would take uh, several weeks of teaching. So I'm not going to really be able to touch on all of the parts of Christian freedom uh, today, but I want to just kind of break it down into two two ideas. That when we think about being free, and we sing songs about being free, and we see scriptures about being free, that there are, are two big umbrella ideas that come to mind, and they're connected to each other. Uh, one is that we know what we're free from. The other is that we know what we're free for. So if you're a note taker, those, those are your two big points. What are we free from? What are we free for? Um, so in John chapter 8, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. Um, starting in verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? We hear, we hear that, that thrown around a lot, even for people who don't know that Jesus is the one that said it. That the truth will set you free, but where is that truth coming from? Well, it says in verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so, really, freedom comes from knowing what is true, which comes from discipleship with Jesus, which comes from like believing that the words that he's saying to us are true. Abiding in his words. And so, it is, it is the teaching of Christ, it is the, the truth that he brings us, when he is telling us what, exactly what corresponds with reality. That's the key. And so when Jesus says something is true, that truth brings about the opportunity for freedom. That's where it all comes from. But this was confusing to them. Uh, so look at verse 33. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Okay, so they knew that their ancestors had been enslaved in Egypt. Like that was, okay, we understand that, but we're, we're their descendants. We've, we've never been anyone's slave. So when you say we can become free, that doesn't really make any sense. So as they're listening, they're like, they, so they want to understand, but 
They're thinking in such, such narrow terms about enslavement and freedom. And so Jesus says this in response, verse 34. Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That's a statement, right? Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That slave is the master in that situation. The slave, verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. See, he's telling them you are actually enslaved whether you realize it or not. That there's something, there's something that has control over you. That your master is not an emperor or a pharaoh or it's not Rome or whatever else. It's, it's that inclination to do what, what you want to do and the way that you want to do it. And essentially, you think you're becoming your own master. Uh, but the reality is, sin is your master. Sin has duped you into thinking that you're in control, but really, sin is in control. And so, it's the illusion of freedom. Right? Like, isn't that what we kind of think freedom is? Is being able to do whatever you want? No, one's, no one can tell me what to do, so therefore I am free. And Jesus is saying, actually, that's what bondage really looks like. Is you thinking that you know best. That has got the handcuffs on you. That is the master over you, lying to you, convincing you that you're the king of the world, when in reality, uh, you are not in control at all. And so their approach was was one of self-reliance and and religion and keeping all the rules. And so he's talking to this Jewish audience who are obsessed with really two things, keeping all the laws and being Jewish. But those were their two big idols. And he's like, both of those things are actually, uh, they actually have you in tremendous bondage. You just don't realize it. And so when he says, verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Saying that in order, to, in order to be in the family of God, something has to change. You, you cannot remain enslaved and be in the family of God. We just sang a song about being like about this whole thing, really. Something has to happen, in other words. So in verse thirty six, he tells them what needs to happen. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. <coughs> what needs to happen? is you need the Son, capital S, you need God Himself to come and to save you from what's really holding you captive. So that you can no longer be a slave, but then you can be a son, you can be a daughter, and so you can live in the house of the Lord forever. At the end of Psalm 23, can be your reality. That's That's what He's holding out to them and offering to them. And once the Son says that you are free, it's a done It's a done deal. And so Jesus is telling us what real freedom looks like and where it's found. Um, that to truly be free has nothing to do really with where we live or what the rules are. It has very little to do with any of those kinds of things. Which is why uh, the person in the most restricted country or in the world can be as free as the person who lives in America. Which is why there are Christians in persecuted countries gathering for worship who are as free as we are in this open country that are there. Because it isn't about those things. It's, 
It's this work of the Son freeing us from our real bondage. Here, here, let me, a few other ways it's explained in the New Testament. Acts 13, 38 and 39, he says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, being Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Everything you are trying to be freed from by keeping the rules, and you kept coming up short, this Savior has freed you from all of that. All of that effort to earn it, and to try harder, and all those things, it didn't work, He has taken it. Romans 6, 17 and 18 says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Your, your new master is, is this other standard. Your new master is this perfect, holy love uh, that Jesus has provides, has, like, provides for us and invites us into. In Romans 8, 1 and 2, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. So, when, when we sing songs of freedom, when we read scriptures about freedom, when we think about what it means to be free in Christ and what he has done, these are the things that should come to our mind. And I don't say that in a corrective way, as if I'm assuming that those aren't the things that come to your mind. It is a, it's not a corrective thing. It is like, like a, let's declare it. Let's make sure that that is what we are thinking about. That, that these are real things that have happened to us. That the Son has set you free. And that sin is not your master anymore. And if you have placed your faith in Christ, you are in a completely different situation. Not only crossing from death to life, but leaving enslavement and coming into what true freedom looks like. And even if you don't feel free, the Son has set you free. Even if you feel like sin still has control over you, you have to know the reality of your identity. Because we go from a scenario where we really don't have a choice. Like we're spiritually dead. And so our only real choice is, is to choose sin and self and the patterns of the world and all that. And when you, when you and I are free from that, he brings you into a situation where now you can choose. It would be, it would be in some ways, theoretically, so nice if he just brought you into a situation where you could only choose him all the time. Right? Wouldn't that be fantastic? If we went from not having a choice to also not having a choice, it just went to, from having to choose sins and now you have to choose God. Like that would be so much easier. But, but he's, he's kind of put us in the middle now. So now you're free, to, you're free to choose God, but you're also free to choose yourself still. And that's where, that's where we're living. We're living in this tension between do I, do I go with my old master or do I go with my new master? And sometimes that tension, that tug of war is exhausting and you feel like you really just don't have a say in it at all. 
But everything that Jesus teaches us and everything that the New Testament points to is, is this reality. That if we, will, if we will trust Him and we'll walk together with the Lord and with each other. And we'll walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That He will teach us over time what it looks like to choose Him steadily, 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 steadily. And so I hope that this is encouraging to all of us, especially those who, who feel like you feel like you've been losing the tug of war a lot lately. And it makes you question, am I really free? If the sun sets you free, you're free. And just because you've been making some bad choices and struggling and some of that does not mean that you are not his. In some ways, it actually kind of proves that that tug of war is like, that that's like a real thing. That you're torn between the spirit and the flesh. And that's a good place to be, even though it's exhausting sometimes. And my encouragement would be to just to hang in there and to keep going. And, to do, and just not to do it alone. The worst thing we can do is retreat into our, into our own little islands and try to deal with that stuff by ourselves. So what are we free from? We're free from the bondage to sin that we were born into. The second big category that I said is, what are we free for? Because that, like, because our freedom has an aim to it. And sometimes, I think it's easy to lose sight of what we're free for. So let's look at that a little bit. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Freedom has an aim, and we have to stay focused on that aim in order to learn to live with the freedom that we have. So you, you might remember uh, the, the, the great story of freedom that is a template for our story of freedom is the Israelites being enslaved in Egypt. And constantly throughout the whole Bible, uh, God is pointing them back to the rescue that happened there. They were enslaved for hundreds of years in, in Egypt, and God led them out through uh, the leadership of Moses and with all the plagues and, and all, the, just all the miracles and all this kind of stuff. And so the Passover is this remembrance and celebration of what God has done, uh, what God did back then, but also what he was going to do in the future through the Messiah. And so when Jesus chose Passover as the time for him to like go to the cross and do all that, it's because they have this idea of rescue in mind. They have this idea of freedom in mind. And so that whole Exodus story was just the foreshadowing of what Jesus brings to us. Um, and if you remember the story, they, they had been enslaved for so long, and so they, uh, God leads them out, and there's all these miracles, and they get, to, they get kind of out on their own. And Moses goes up on the mountain to get the, the instructions from the Lord. And uh, Israel's down in the valley down there. And what do they end up doing? They go crazy. Because they don't know what to do with freedom. And someone says, hey, I have a great idea. Let's take all the gold that we have and let's melt it. And make it into the form of like an animal that we can worship. Because that's what everyone, that's what Egypt does. And now we're free. Now we can do what Egypt does because we're free. And Moses comes down, and he's like, what is wrong with y'all? Like, have you lost your mind? And he breaks the tablets, and it's a whole thing. Because that's what happens when you don't, you're free, but you don't know what to do with freedom. 
They had no, I had no concept of this. And so what did they do? They just defaulted to what they had seen other places. And we do the same thing, right? Like you come to know the Lord and, and you're saved and you're excited and stuff like that. But next thing you know, you're just doing the same stuff you used to do. And then, then you feel terrible about it. And you're, it's just, you get caught up in this identity. And in some cases, decades later, you're still doing that stuff. And it just, you're like, what do, I don't even know what to do with the freedom that he has provided for me. And so what's the aim of our freedom? Well, let, let me tell you two of the tendencies that are both incorrect. But we have to be able to recognize them. Now, one of them is, is what we would call legalism. Okay? In other words, rules. Right? We love some rules. Even when we say we don't like rules, we actually like rules. Because it lets you know where the boundaries are. And it puts you in control over keeping the rules or breaking the rules. But... Uh, we can always live with we can live with consequences of rules that we've broken because we you know it's kind of like how it goes and so we kind of like rules we kind of like structure we kind of like to know know where things are and so the tendency has been when someone becomes a Christian uh, you hand them a Bible and you hand them this, the rules right here are the things that Christians do and here are the things that Christians do not do in our community or in our church and in our culture or in our part of the world or whatever it might be. And the idea can easily become, you just have to start to conform to this list. And if you grew up in church, you probably grew up with, there were just certain things that you were constantly told to do or to not do. I remember um, it being in the youth group, and I don't, I can't remember, I was trying to remember if this phrase was told to us as like a rule to live by, or if it was an example of a terrible rule to live by. So I don't really know, it could have gone e- either way. Um, but this phrase I heard over and over and over again. This is, I'm just going to tell you. Um, to the teenage boys, it was, don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or date the girls that do. That's what they told us. Like I said, maybe they were being like, hey, here's a terrible mantra for your life. Uh, or maybe they were saying, this is how you need I'm not sure. But the fact that I still remember this all these years later, just really, like, it stuck with me. But that was kind of a good summary, because... As our youth group began to function, and, and teenagers do what teenagers do, and they drift in and out of like goofy behavior, we would judge the ones who did certain things, or you would receive judgment for doing certain things, and the ones who kept the rules were exalted really highly, and the ones who broke the rules just quit coming to stuff eventually because they were ostracized so much. That kind of stuff happens in churches all the time, where, where there is this either, it's usually an unwritten kind of like, oral tradition kind of thing where you just kind of learn the boundaries and the rules and you decide if you're going to keep them or not keep them. And so legalism, it was something that we fight in in America, but it's also something that the Galatians fought because they had this message of freedom and yet you you had people who used to be Jewish or people who claimed to be Christians that were trying to tell them that they still had to follow all the rules. And so Paul's telling them, hey, you're free from all that stuff. But yet their culture, their community was saying, no, you still got to do all that. Here's the things you can't you do and you can't do. Circumcision was one of those things, which we'll read a verse about in a minute. So just a little heads up there. Uh, but like there are like certain things about being Jewish that Paul says, you are free from that. You don't have to do it anymore. But the people were putting the pressure on them and they just didn't really know what to do. And so legalism is one way that Christians have taken this idea of freedom and tried to put boundaries on it so that, so that we can be in control of either doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. Now, the other, the other side of the spectrum there is license, or basically no rules. 
right? So no rules means, oh, I'm free, I can do whatever I want, then I'm going to do whatever I want. There are no rules anymore. Therefore, I just determine my own rules. And sometimes you have, you have people who are involved in a church culture that's, that is legalistic and they start to learn this message of freedom and to them they just swing to the extreme other side. And they're like, what, you mean I don't have to like burn all my secular CDs after youth camp? I don't have to do that anymore? That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to just basically consume any sort of entertainment that I want. What do you mean there are these like certain things that I was told, places I couldn't go? Okay, then I'm just going to go there to the extreme. Certain things I couldn't drink? Oh, okay, then I'm just going to drink a lot of them. See what I'm saying? Certain words that I wasn't supposed to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a lot of those things. Certain people I wasn't supposed to hang out with, now I'm going to hang out with them a lot. And so we mishear this message of freedom, and so we start to push away from rules, and so, but we overcorrect too far the other side, where it's like, okay, now there's no rules. And what ends up happening with license is that uh, you end up like being a follower of Christ who like, develops a, a lot of woundedness, a lot of pain, and, and, and a, lot of, it's a lot of bad things come from license as well. And the, here's, the, here's the thing that, that we need to be like, remembering is that legalism is bondage, and license is also bondage. Both of them have, are putting a master over you that is not Jesus. And so we really can't see them as one extreme or the other. We just have to put them both in this category of doing exactly what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 5. Look at 5.1. He says, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He said, you, you are free. Why, why would you put the chains back on yourself with legalism? Why would you put the chains back on yourself with license? Why would you put the chains back on yourself by obsessing over rules or rebelling against the rules and living a no rules kind of life? Why would you? Those are both returning to the very thing you were, you were saved from. That's why we have to know what we're saved from because we have to know what that looks like when we return to it. And Christians return to it all the time. Starting way back here when Paul in this letter that Paul is writing to this group, because they were returning to it. He's saying, Don't go back. What did the Egyptians want to do when they were free? Well, they started to complain. They said, Why did you leave us? At least we had enough pots of meat to, to eat. We had everything we could ever want as far as food. And Moses is like, You are slaves. Are you kidding me? You want to go back to being a slave just because they had meat? Come on. It seems ridiculous to us, and yet, we can fall into that same trap. If we don't know what we're free from, but we also don't know what we're free for. So, what are we free for? Next page. Here is healthy and mature freedom. It's two things. When I'm truly free in Christ, I'm free to choose Jesus... And I'm free to choose others. That's what, that's what actual freedom looks like. 
It's not about rules. It's not about license. It's not about any of those kinds of things. To be free means I can choose Christ. In a situation where I can still choose myself, I can still return to that yoke of slavery in whatever form it's going to take. But real freedom means I can choose Him and I can choose other people. Here's, here's what I mean. Like in Matthew 11, Jesus says this. Now, now before I read it, imagine, imagine you're in a scenario... And you're trying to, you're like, do I return to the yoke of slavery or do I, do I choose Jesus? Imagine Jesus is, this is what he's saying. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you want the yoke of slavery? Or do you want his yoke? See, you you and I are, are free. We're, we're free to put the yoke of slavery back on, but we're also free to put on the Jesus yoke. The gentle, lowly in heart. The rest for your soul yoke. The like he's carrying your burden yoke. That's, that's, that's freedom. We're, we're free from sin so that we are, can choose Him in those situations. And, and in whatever situation, like any scenario that you're bringing up, like it's, you can always choose Him now. It doesn't matter how many times you've returned to the yoke of slavery or how comfortable it has gotten, you can always say yes to Him. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says it this way. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That there is this transformation that is happening, that the longer you walk with the Lord the less appealing the yoke of slavery is and the more beautiful and gentle and incredible the yoke of Jesus is. Being transformed into that image from one degree of glory to another. Be gracious with yourself, but know that this transformation, that that, that this is what he has for you. This, this is the freedom that you are set free for. Not only from, but for, it was for this kind of life. Partnered with that is the idea that not only can I choose Jesus, but I can choose other people. Galatians 5, a little bit further down. says, for you, is 13 and 14, he says, you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So you weren't you weren't free so that you can just do whatever you want. And I've 
been doing this ministry thing long enough, and especially working with college students as much as I have over the years, heard that plenty of times. I'm free in Christ, man. Are you now? Okay. But why? You free in Christ so you can just go do whatever you want? According to this verse, that is the absolute wrong approach. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, shall love your neighbor as yourself. I can, I can choose you over me. I can return to the yoke of slavery and just do whatever I want, whatever makes me happy, whatever is self-gratifying in this moment. Or I can choose Jesus and I can choose you. I can choose my neighbor. I can choose the stranger. In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul is addressing some really specific things that are going on in the church in Corinth, which was basically the worst church that's ever existed. Like nobody would want to pastor this church at all. Um, and here's a part of, of what, he's, what they're dealing with. In 23 and 24, it says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Then those verses where it says all things are lawful, it is, it is believed and understood by people who have studied this letter that that was kind of a mantra. Like that was kind of like a badge that they wore. Like, oh, we're, we're free in Christ, we're free from the law. So all things are now lawful. Like all the things that we used to not be able to do, now we can do them. And so that became their justification for all this kind of like just really, really weird behavior. But I've heard that same logic so much over the years. People go to a wedding, open bar, have too much to drink. Uh, I don't know, it's not, it's not a big deal. You know. You're basically saying all things are lawful. And what Paul is saying is that, okay, that's your mantra, but here's his follow-up. But not all things are helpful. Not all things build up. We have to be very, very, very discerning. That just because you are free to do something does not mean that it is good for other people that you do those things. It might be bad for you. It might be bad for someone else. And part of the beauty of freedom is that now I don't have to choose what I want to do. I can choose to do what's best for you. I can choose to do what's better for the people around me. I can choose to do what's better for, for you, for your kids. I can choose what's better for my neighbor. I, I can run through the whole, all the relationships. Yes, I'm free to do certain things, and you are free to do certain things. And there's, it's not like it's a lawful kind of thing, but, but is it helpful? Is it beneficial? See, we're, we're, we're working with a whole different set of variables now. You go from being in bondage to sin, where you could only choose self, now you have all these options. I can still choose self, I can also choose Jesus, I can also choose others. Hmm. I'm kind of at the bottom of the list now, right? Like choosing Jesus is, is supreme. Choosing what's best for other people comes after that. And I'm just kind of down here somewhere at this point. And some would look at that and say, that's not freedom. But the Bible says that's exactly what freedom looks like. That's exactly what freedom looks like. In 1 Peter 2, 16, he says, Live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. If you're, if you're hearing this, 
it's, you're kind of like running all these scenarios and all these kind of things. I, I'm not trying to overcomplicate things. I'm trying to help us really see the, the simple beauty of what Jesus has done in freeing us. Is now we have this opportunity to live for God because we're living from God. That we can love our neighbor as one of our very own. And when those things are happening, you know what? You're not down here like being like, well, I never get I never get what I want. There's this incredible beauty that happens when we're choosing the Lord and we're choosing others. When we're living that kind of life, it's just the most rewarding and fulfilling thing. You're not complaining down here in whatever place you're in. You know how I know that to be true? Because we have one one example of what it what it means to absolutely be the freest of humans like the freest human ever is Jesus. No one was ever more free than him. So let me read a very familiar passage to you, but I want you to hear it through the lens of freedom. This is what he did with his freedom. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <coughs> Do you think he's sad that he put Jesus and they put God the Father ahead, and they put us ahead. Do you think that he's sad that he made those choices? Absolutely not. The reward of the Father, <coughs> the beauty of the rescue of the people of God, to be a part of all of those things happening, puts freedom in the new perspective. Not only free for, but I was free from, but free for. That he freed you for the glory of God and for the healing of other people. And you get to be down here and he's just blessing you and blessing you and blessing you and blessing you. So that's what freedom looks like. Jesus used his freedom for those things and invites us to follow in his steps. And so today as we have it, we celebrate the birthday of the nation and there's all this talk of freedom. I hope that we as kingdom people are thinking of freedom a little bit differently. And so as you have come to expect, we're going to sing about this a little bit. And I would encourage you to engage with the Lord about both of those things. Not only what you're free from, but free for. Let's stand together. change mics. Y'all stay standing.
All right, let me, let me pray for us. Lord, I'm so thankful for... I'm thankful to not be in bondage anymore. Um, to be positioned in this place now to where in every, every situation, every opportunity, I could return to the old yoke of slavery where I can continue to, to take more steps toward choosing you, Lord, and choosing others. And for all of us that are in, in Christ, that's our reality. That's the opportunity that we have. And certainly we, we couldn't save ourselves from that. I mean, we, there was no self-rescue happening here. It's just because you are good and kind and just the love that you have. And yeah, there's lots of application for this, lots of things to really think about in terms of choices that we make and all that. But it really begins with, with you as the rescuer. And so as we sing some more songs about this kind of freedom, I pray that this would seep down into the into the crevices of our hearts and minds that um, this would be a continued part of our healing and continued part of us having vision, the same vision for our lives that you have for us.